You're listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness from LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs. Third and seven from the Texans, 48 Stroud, shotgun, motor in the backfield with him. CJ gets the snap, CJ throwing downfield, and caught by Nico, 25-20, breaks a tackle, 15-10-5, rock and roll, touchdown, Houston! It's time for our weekly visit with the Hall of Famer, John McClain. From Sports Radio 610, right now on Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Right there, C.J. Stroud, you heard the nice touchdown pass from the young rookies playing really well for the Houston Texans, who are now 2-2 two and two on the season. And John McClain from Sports Radio 610 does join us now on the phone lines. And, John, we'll get into all things Texans and C.J. Stroud, but it's October. That means postseason baseball. I just saw the Rangers wrap up their game with the Tampa Bay Rays with the victory. The Texans, they won the AL West. How are you feeling – or the, uh, the Astros, excuse me, won the AL West. How are you feeling about their chances uh, this postseason? The Astros are in the playoffs seven consecutive years. They've won the division six of those years. When they left to go on their last road trip at Seattle and Arizona, both trying to make the playoffs, they didn't even know if they were going to be in there. Mm-hmm. And they won five of six. They dominated Arizona. They outscored in those five victories the opponents 24 to six. And the Rangers lost three of four. All the Rangers had to do Sunday was to defeat the Mariners, who were out of the playoffs. Mariners beat them 1-0. So what happens, they got to go all the way from Seattle to Tampa, and then they play great today. I want the Rangers to win. I want the Rangers to beat Baltimore in the American League Division Series. I want the Astros to win so the Astros and Rangers can play for a World Series. That would be great. That really would. I mean, of course, we always watch it during the regular season, the Battle of the Silver Boot, and uh, would love to see them in the playoffs for it, for all the marbles, something that really mattered getting to the World Series. But, uh, yeah, October baseball is fun. I love postseason baseball, and it's on the screen. I'm watching the Twins on top of the uh, Blue Jays right now, 3 nothing. Carlos Correa, he's still kicking there in Minnesota. How about that, John? <laughs> yeah, he's barely kicking. Had a terrible season. Hasn't <laughs> played in the last two weeks. People here, I wrote a column. Yesterday, do you want to play against Team Correa or Team Springer? Me and Carlos Correa or George Springer. Yep. People would rather play Correa. He's he's had a really down year. With the Astros, he always played well in the playoffs. So we'll say that the foot injury continues to affect him or he can turn it on in the playoffs again. He's one of the greatest players in franchise history. Always gets a great ovation when he comes back. So I would rather see... The Astros played Twins, who played a lot better after the All-Star break and ran away with the worst division in baseball. John McClain, Sports Radio 610, is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Now let's get to uh, quarterback C.J. Stroud and what he's been able to do in a short uh, amount of time, four games in the books. He hasn't thrown an interception yet, which is normally the kiss of death, but how much have you seen this quarterback continue to grow week in and week out, John? He's 21 years old, and – He's mature beyond his years, off and on the field. The fact that he hadn't thrown an interception, but nobody's dropped one. Because mm-hmm. usually if, you got t- if a quarterback doesn't have an interception for a few games, somebody's dropped a bad pass. Somebody's missed a deflection. He's been incredibly accurate. He throws on time. He's great at throwing out routes before the receiver makes a break. We didn't think they had any receivers. Nico Collins. In his third year, he's been fantastic. 
he's playing for an extension. He's been hurt his first two years. People here keep their fingers crossed. But right now, he's second in history after four games yardage behind uh, Cam Newton. And he, it's weird. He joins Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, and Peyton Manning. Think about that group. Hmm. Yeah. Only quarterbacks with at least 1,200 yards passing and no interceptions through the first four games of the season. That is some elite company. It really is, and he led the charge in a big victory over the Pittsburgh Steelers, and it wasn't even close. D'Amico Ryans, I don't know what buttons he's pressing, John, but he's got that team believing, and really it seems to me from a distance they've really taken on the image of their head coach. They just beat uh, Jacksonville in Jacksonville by 20. They beat the Steelers here by 24. It's the first time they won back-to-back games uh, by at least 20 points since 2015, and and the defense is so much better with D'Amico making the calls. The offensive coordinator and play caller, Bobby Slowick, a lot of us thought D'Amico needed a proven veteran play caller. Slowick, who was with Kyle Shanahan in Washington and San Francisco, we thought, okay, he needs some help, but he doesn't. He has called a, a great game against Pittsburgh. And they have, they're, as I told you last week, they they played with a third left tackle, fourth left guard, third center, fourth right, third right tackle in the game against Pittsburgh. T.J. Watt, one hit on the quarterback, no sacks, two tackles. Alex Sysmith had three hits on the quarterback, no sacks. So those backup linemen did as well as they could possibly do and got some great coaching. And now they get the tackles, Larry Tunsil, Titus Howard back, get their center back. As I've been telling people here, those starters got some big shoes to fill with those backups who played so well. Well, I just saw the news that the left guard, Kendrick Green, tore his meniscus so in his right knee, so he's out too. So, And it's a terrible thing, but he was a third left guard. And they've got <laughs> guys coming back for him. Yeah. And uh, But if they still had all these backups, they, they had to play their fourth left guard. Anyway, it hasn't affected Stroud. And they've got a very physical team. I see a lot of characteristics from the 49ers with this team. They struggled to run the ball with all those backups in the offensive line, but they did well against the Steelers. So right now, Texans have back-to-back victories. They are in a four-way tie for first place, and they're coming off a demolition of Jacksonville a week ago. So people here are saying, why not the Texans? (laughs) <laughs> right, and that's all you can say. Again, John McClain, Sports Radio 610, is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. How about the Bills? Uh, they all of a sudden took the Dolphins to the woodshed a week after the Dolphins took the Denver Broncos to the woodshed. What did you think about the way that the Buffalo Bills are playing now? They're playing great. After that hiccup start the season, they've won three in a row. They still don't have the kind of running game that they want to have, but the way Josh Allen's throwing the ball, their defense is playing. They had great strategy for the Dolphins, and that's going to be a blueprint for other teams. But, you guys, one thing to have the blueprint. Mm-hmm. It's another thing to have players who can carry it out. I'm not sure right now. The Bills at 3-1 and one are not the best team. They are the best team in the AFC, and San Francisco is the best team in the NFC and the best team overall. 
Yeah, I agree. San Francisco's playing really well right now. Kyle Shanahan's got them cooking. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, they're a team that's expected to be great. They're 1-3. Joe Burrow uh, looks like he's really struggling with that calf injury. They're not scoring any points. Uh, how much of uh, trouble are the Cincinnati Bengals in right now? They just got massacred in Nashville 27-3 to by a Titans team that was coming off a 27-3 to loss. And I know Burrow's got problems with the calf injury, but that's not his arm. Now T. Higgins is out. Mm. They're not running the ball like they did last year. They're not playing defense like they did last year. It's like invasions of the body snatchers. Somebody's come from <laughs> outer space and inhabited the Bengals' bodies because there's no resemblance to this Cincinnati team yet than the Bengals we've seen the last two years, a team that a lot of people picked to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, they're a team that I, I expected to be a really good team. Of course, it starts with that uh, that that Joe Burrow injury, but they just are not playing good ball at all as they're sitting there at 1-3. and three. John, you've been covering the league a long time. When a rookie quarterback gets a start, similar to C.J. Stroud, uh, Aiden O'Connell got the start for the Raiders this past week against the Chargers. He lost, but he looked like he was getting more comfortable as the game goes along. What are you looking for in a rookie quarterback when he's out there? Well, first of all, coach has got to help him. That's paramount. And of course, teammates got to help him. And, and they still had a chance to win that game. Yep. And I know Josh McDaniels getting blasted again. But after the great preseason he had, you know, we're, we're saying here, well, geez, he's better than C.J. Stroud during preseason. <laughs> and then it's almost like the Texans were keeping Stroud under wraps. But uh, when you have a rookie quarterback who has to play and you're in a position to win a game, that's pretty good. And uh, but the people around him got to help him. The calls have to benefit him. They got to be able to run the ball. We see that happening here. It's not happening in Carolina. It is happening in Indianapolis. And you know, I don't know when Jimmy G's coming back, but they need him back ASAP. Yeah, I think he's going to come back. Josh McDaniel said on Monday, if if he's healthy, he'll be under center. But you know, John, I I saw uh, you know some from Aiden O'Connell where I felt like he was getting better. I'm intrigued to see more. At what stage of the game do you think that it would be fair enough to put him out there and really give him a shot at seeing what he's got? Well, if you do that, you're giving up on the season. Mm-hmm. It's too early to give up on the season. When Garoppolo's healthy, Garoppolo's got to play. Now, if, if Garoppolo played bad. That's one thing. And maybe at the end of the season they're out of the race because they've, they've got to decide. Ziegler and McDaniels have to decide. This is a deep draft for quarterbacks. Are, do we like him enough to think he's the quarterback of the future, or do we need to do what it takes to get one of these other guys? And the only way you're going to find that out is to play him. They see him behind the scenes. They see him in practice in ways that the media doesn't and the fans don't. So they have a pretty good idea of how smart he is, how he processes, but seeing his believing in the games. And, and uh, you know, he's got one of the greatest receivers ever to help him, and that certainly helps. But uh, at some point, I would say at the end of the season, they're gonna, they need to look at him for at least four or five games to have a good idea against different defenses, against different teams, so they can put their heads together and say, is he the future? The odds are he's not, but you never know. Who thought about Brock Purdy? Brock right. Purdy's is never lost a regular season game. 
Right, exactly. And he was the last pick in the draft just a year ago. Again, John McClain, Sports Radio 610, is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Uh, John, when you watch and observe training camp and preseason, have you come away with a feeling like, okay, hey, this team is going to be good. It looks like a really good team. And then they just turn out not to be that team in the, in the regular season. How often does that, do you find that happening in your years covering the league? Usually it has to do with injuries. And just like going on, if Joe Burrow was 100%, would they be this bad? Now, he's not Lamar Jackson. He's not Justin Fields. But um, injuries, if you're supposed to be good and you're not, it, it has to do with injuries and coaching. Has, has the coach lost his players? That doesn't happen early in the season, but it happens when you lose. Like the Bears are in danger of that. Mm-hmm. Bears right now would have the first two picks in the draft. They could take Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. Now that's enough to make them want to stay in school. And uh, because the Bears, if the Bears ever had a great passing quarterback, Sid Luckman, back in the 40s and, and third 40s, uh, they just don't. Because right. of where their stadium is situated on a great lake and the wind constantly howls, that's not counting the cold weather and the snow and the ice. Same thing at Cleveland. They haven't had a 4,000 yard passer since 1980. So, you, those teams are built around defense, great running games, and quarterbacks who don't lose. And that's Caleb Williams. That's not where he wants to go. He'd probably love to go to Arizona instead of Chicago. Right now, the Bears are the worst team in the league, and Matt Eberflus is in danger of getting fired. They have a new president, Kevin Warren. So I, I can't wait to watch that. But a big couple of things to remember, Q, we talk about this every year. There are going to be teams that start fast. Everybody gets fired up about them, and then they realize who they are, and then they fade over the last eight or nine games. And then there's going to be teams that start slow, Jacksonville being a good example last year. And then they start to build a little momentum, and they start to buy into what the coaches are selling, and they finish strong. So we're going to see that this year. It's inevitable. It is. It happens each and every year. You're spot on when you say that. Again, John McClain is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Just got a couple more for you. You mentioned Caleb Williams is staying in school. How much has NIL changed the game where these quarterbacks or even players in general could say, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. I'll stay another year in, in college. I see people saying like Caleb Williams making five or six million in NIL. That's a lot. But if he's number one pick, he's going to get $22 million to sign. <laughs> right. Is that worth going to the Bears? <laughs> Uh, he also is going to get his salary. So you can't compete with the NFL as a high pick. But there are players, there were several this year, they thought were coming out. One was a great offensive lineman. There was another receiver. And they stayed in school. Now, if they had been drafted in the top half of the first round, they're going to make more than they would have stayed in school. I think it's great they stayed in school. I wish more guys would. But, you know, they want a chance to earn money that's well-deserved. So, I think you're not going to see it for the great prospects, even though Caleb Williams might die on the vine in Chicago <laughs> when it's two degrees and the wind's blowing 50 miles an hour off of Lake Michigan, and he'd wonder why in the hell didn't I stay in L.A.? <laughs> but and when you want to get paid, that's what it's like. Only reason Deshaun Watson went to Cleveland, he, he ruled them out first because he had a game up there in 2020, not cold, but the wind would blow you over. At one point, they had to evacuate the stadium just because of the wind. He said, no thanks. And they came back with 230 guaranteed. He said, thanks. And I'll guarantee <laughs> you, 
there's times people wonder why he didn't play Sunday when he was cleared to play. I don't know what the conditions are, but wait till it gets into December. We might see him saying, ah, my shoulder's just not ready again. Yeah, I can see that for sure. I love it. No thanks. No thanks. Yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take that guaranteed money that Cleveland gave Deshaun Watson. John, fantastic stuff as always. What are you working on that we should be on the lookout for? Q, I got CJ Stroud stories on sportsradio610.com. No paywall. I've got Astros. I've got playoffs and uh, D'Amico Ryan's column. So I got a lot of it. And I appreciate you having me on as always. Absolutely. Appreciate you, John. Great stuff. Thank you so much. There he goes. John McClain, the general, here with us on Raider Nation Radio 920. And uh, love the nuggets that John drops. Again, uh, really proud of the guests that we have here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. Uh, no fluff, no BS, just really good guests. And uh, Amber Theo Harris in the last hour, fantastic. And John McClain each and every Tuesday, fantastic. So definitely appreciate him and his, uh, his efforts. The guy has been covering the league for a very long time. The guy's in the Hall of Fame. Just let that sink in right there. We have a Hall of Fame guest each and every Tuesday at 3 o'clock in John McClain. Definitely appreciate him. He's been rocking with me for a very, very long time, and he's going to continue to rock with me, and I'm going to continue to rock with him. Uh, before we take a break, let's go ahead and go back into the Raiders locker room from Sunday. Thanks to Vinny Bonsignor, he sent this over to us. Little Devontae Adams sound. It's real quick, fast, and hurry. It's less than a minute long, but here's Devontae in the locker room, and I believe Vinny starts it off with the conversation here. I know it's getting a little bit redundant uh, here, but another one-score game that you kind of fight to get back into it, but had you just taken care of business a little bit earlier, you wouldn't be in that position, and I know that's got to be frustrating that some mistakes that, that the team itself is making put you into, into that position. Yeah, man, we shoot ourselves in the foot a lot. Um, you know, I, I don't even really know what to say. I mean, we just got to gotta play better. We got to do things earlier in the game and be more urgent earlier to put ourselves in better positions, you know, we're going to have to scramble within the game. It's because we better than the way that we playing. I mean, we got a pretty talented roster, so it's, it's frustrating to be in these games and obviously not be able to finish them, but just to not to maximize the whole game and be able to execute at a higher level you know, throughout to make it easy on ourselves. Devontae Adams right there in the Raiders locker room. Real quick uh, with Vinny Bonsignor. And, and look, man, Devontae, you got to give him a lot of credit. That dude went out with a shoulder injury, and I thought he was done for the day. I really did. I didn't think there was any way Devontae was coming back. Next thing you know, 17's on the field, and he's catching passes and had that big fourth down catch where he got one foot down and then an elbow. And I just knew, again, and I don't know why I doubt Devontae, but I just knew, okay, he was probably out on that one. Then when the replay showed that his elbow hit, that just showed the greatness of Devontae Adams and what he's able to bring to the table and how Aiden O'Connell recognized real quick, fast, and hurry that, hey, you know what, 17's pretty good. <laughs> Let me go ahead and, and feed 17 because it was early on where they hadn't had any, he hadn't had any uh, connection with him. He had only had one target and no catches. And I was like, hey, man, uh, yeah, 17's a good one. And once he finally was able to make one connection with them, he was able to make multiple connections. But really big that Devontae was able to come back in that game on Sunday. I have a few texts that I want to get to at 69187, keyword R&R. Threw the question out there uh, to you. What would be the reason why the Raiders get this thing turned around Big capitals, if they get this thing turned around. The only teams in the league that have one win, like the Raiders, the Patriots, the Jets, the Bengals, the Broncos, the Giants, the Vikings, and the Cardinals, and the Carolina Panthers and the Chicago Bears both have no wins on the season. Going to the text line, Mailman Raiders said, LOL, John McClain basically said the Bengals got space jammed by the Monstars. They stole their talents, laughing my ass off. That is a good one. John McClain always has really good ones, so I'm glad you appreciated that one as well. 
Brad and Concord said, so I think there's two things that are key if this thing gets turned around. One, something has to be done with the blocking, schemes included. The consistent, dirty, filthy pockets for whoever the quarterback is makes play development impossible. The blocking for Jacobs started improving toward the end of the game, but I blame run blocking more than Jacobs trying to get his legs back, as we've heard. Uh, two, uh, though the defense looked better in position, the tackling was horrendous. The entire game players were wrapped up and then just squirted free to run uh, through more missed tackles. Herbert as well. It's going to be tough to turn the season around with these two things, among all others, still going on. And, yeah, that's something that we kind of talked about on Monday's show, all the missed tackles. So many missed tackles. You know, one of the things that I know for a fact is that Marcus Peters was brought to the Raiders to intercept the ball, right, take the ball away because that's what the emphasis of the defense was. The one thing he wasn't brought to the Raiders to do was tackle because his tackling is not good, right? I mean, it's just it's just keeping it a buck. Watching that game and seeing him miss tackles, and he wasn't the only one. There was a lot guilty of missing tackles. There was a couple sack opportunities that didn't happen. Herbert was able to squirt free, and that just, I mean, can't happen. When you're right there, right, Devon Diablo uh, had someone run right through him. Those kind of things just can't happen. Marcus Epps got to be able to clean up the tackles. Trayvon Mary's got to be able to clean up the tackles. All these guys have got to make plays, uh, make tackles, the open field tackles. I know Ja'Korian Bennett's willing. He takes a couple bad angles here and there, so they've got to be able to do that a lot better. And the blocking has got to be there, too. You're right. You know, the run game, I'm um, thinking that it's going to start getting going pretty good. And, you know, the Raiders offensive line did a pretty good job last season uh, in run blocking, but the pass blocking wasn't very good. And Aiden O'Connell was under duress all game long on Sunday. So that's obviously something that's got to be cleaned up. And I don't know what you do with Jermaine Illuminor. Like, let's be honest about the situation. He, to me, and we'll ask Lincoln Kennedy what he thinks can happen, but to me, he shouldn't be the starting right tackle, right? He's, he's a swing tackle at best. Uh, maybe kick him inside the right guard. Maybe that's a possibility. Maybe put Thayer Mumford out there at the right tackle position. I don't know. I feel like that that position has been such a question mark for the longest time. Maybe since Lincoln Kennedy, <laughs> right? I mean, to, to be honest about it, it seems like it's been ever since Lincoln was there that they've had a consistent guy. They've had guys there, and they've had guys there that have held their spot down for some years, but, man, it just seems like that's been a turnstile, that right tackle position for the longest, and they've always tried to come up with an answer and a solution, and it just hasn't happened. Uh, got a text from the 209. Merrick has a club on his hand. I was surprised he got the second uh, chance he had at it. Defense was slow and then got better. This was mainly an offensive play calling. Even with Jimmy, we know his game is short passing and yaks to follow, and we haven't seen many of those plays at all so far. Come on, Q. We all see it. Okay, that's from the 209. I don't know what the come on Q is about, but okay. Um, I'm definitely not saying that the, the short passing game isn't part of the, the equation and the yak yards, and I think that they're trying to do that. I think that's all we've seen so far this year. I mean, I could be wrong, but I think that that's all we've seen this year is really the short passing game and the attempt to get yak, yak yards, right? I, we haven't seen the ball stretch, stretch down the field, that's for sure. So I'm, I'm with you in agreement. I'm not, like I said, I'm not too sure what the whole come on cue we all see it is about. Um, and, yeah, Trayvon Merrick has a club on his hand. I get that. But if he's out there and he's playing, he's got to make plays when he has a chance. And, yeah, that second interception he came with was great. He caught it with his body, right, because, again, because that club, I get it. But, man, that play would have been huge in the end zone if he could have made it. And, again, I know that the club's there. But if you're out there, you've got to be able to make plays. And if you can't make plays, when it hits you in your hands, you might not need to be out there. That might be a decision that the team has to make. If you can't go out there and execute your job to the fullest extent, maybe you shouldn't be out there. Maybe Isaiah Palmal should be out there or somebody else that you feel comfortable with. I mean, again, this is just me spitballing. I don't think that, you know, guys, especially teams that don't create turnovers, when you have a, a multiple opportunities to come up with interceptions, like 
Marcus Peters has had the last two weeks, and Trayvon Merrick had a couple opportunities on Sunday. He came up with one. I think you've got to make those plays. They're just huge for a team and the momentum and keeping another team off the board. You've got to be able to come away with those plays. I don't think that Trayvon Merrick would make an excuse that his, hey, he had a club on his hand. He's out there. He's expected to make the play. Thanks for the text. I do appreciate you. Uh, let's go out to the phone lines real quick, talk to our guy, Raider X, and then we'll get Lincoln Kennedy up. Raider X, what's on your mind? Welcome to the show. Hey, good afternoon to you. How you doing? Um, yeah, just, just turning it around. I think it's all about adaptability. And then, like you were just talking about, you know, making those decisions about, you know, having individuals out there with their club on their hand, you know, sit them if, 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 if it's necessary. And I, I think it's those type of calls, you know, that need, there's some hard decisions that need to be done. And what leads us to, the, the, you know, that elephant in the room, how, how bad does it have to go or what do we need to see before they pull the plug on, you know, on, on Jimmy G? And like, like you said before, you're not about sitting Jimmy G. You're not about, you know, benching him or whatever. But you want to do what's best for the team. So let's say they, they, they digress and uh, they, re- they regress. And, you know, they go out and Jimmy G goes out there. and all again. Is it a byproduct of Jimmy G? You know, and, and that's the question you got to think about. Whatever everything kind of shuts down, the, the, the offense and so forth, you know, what, what do we do? And then, or, or what's, or what's the, the game losses before they make a move? I mean, we can talk about all these hypotheticals, and I know it's still early, right. but where are we at? Because obviously, you know, we know what we brought, Oyer got brought in there for, and we know what Jimmy G is there for. We, we thought it was the, the, you know, the best chance because we thought he's going to come in with, you know, hit the ground running, and he fits the scheme, and he, you know, this season, maybe next, where we get some new talent or we get a new quarterback and we, you know, bring him in slowly. It wasn't going to be the, you know, O'Connell year or any other quarterback year, unless we had that one or two or, you know, top three pick or something like that. But if he's not getting it done, right? there's, no, there's only one way to find out. And like you said, we're throwing in the towel because hope for the best, but we got a rookie in there. Right. And let's see what happens. I mean, C.J. Stroud, that would have been nice, my brother. But, yeah. um, you know, but, you know, you go get O'Connell, and no one thought O'Connell, but, you know, it looks like he had something. Yeah. But obviously the only way he's going to get something is time under center. That's the only way he's going to get it. He's going to smart enough because the game got a little looser. I don't know if they, 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 the plays changed because it seemed like he was throwing different type of routes. But you know, only one, only people that know that is Lombardi and and you know and McDaniel's. But you know, the truth truth to be told, and uh, you know, but changing it up, changing it up, and being able to change in that second quarter and that third quarter because it looks like he puts a great script together and a plan, and that's a coordinator. That's somebody that puts plans together. And then getting into that hurry-up uh, offense at the end of the game or the end of the half, it looks like they, what they run when they're in a hurry at the end of the game, and that's why they're so efficient in the fourth quarter. I worry about those middle because it seems like those are chess moves. Those are adaptability. Those are thinking on the fly. Good stuff, good stuff. Definitely appreciate you, Raider X. And, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to uh, digest there, and there's a lot to – uh, a lot of questions that need to be answered from the coaching staff on what they're going to do moving forward. Uh, I think it's too early, like you mentioned, to just throw in the towel on the season because, again, they're where they need to be. But they've got to show something pretty quick. Like, this can get away from them really fast if they don't get things turned around. And it starts on Monday with the Green Bay Packers. That's all you could do. You can't go back and change the results of the past games. All you could do is worry about the games moving forward and how you're going to get things turned around. 327 is the time. Lincoln Kennedy, he joins us next. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. This podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness on LVSportsNetwork.com is brought to you by Porta Subs. Make sure you check out Porta Subs' six-foot party trays. They're perfect for game days. 
you'll get your choice of three made-to-order classic subs made with premium meats and cheese on your choice of fresh-baked bread, loaded with fresh veggies, toppings, and sauces. Game day six-foot trays serve 12 to 16 people, so you can sit back and enjoy the game. Available at all Las Vegas area Porta Subs, neighborhood sandwich shops, order ahead at portasubs.com. This is second and nine on a 14. Herbert with pressure up the middle, and he's brought down inside the five. Max Crosby got off the edge and swung through the middle, and like a bolt of lightning, took Herbert down for his second sack of the game. Las Vegas Raiders color analyst Lincoln Kennedy joins Unnecessary Roughness right now on Raider Nation Radio. Lincoln will be joining us in a matter of seconds. My man Ari, who's in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, he is efforting him right now, so we'll get Lincoln up in a hot minute. But I do want to go to the text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Always appreciate hearing the feedback from Raider Nation, good, bad, or ugly. And lately it's been a lot of bad and ugly, but that's okay. We still appreciate the feedback, 69187, keyword R&R. The question that we asked, what will be the reason the Raiders get this thing turned around if, in fact, they get this thing turned around as week number five gets underway for the Raiders on Monday, Legion Stadium versus the Green Bay Packers. This is from the 707. If the Raiders are going to turn it around, Roten, James, and Illuminor are going to have to come off the field. They would have to get Zamir White more involved successfully. Some else, Someone else on the staff is going to have to get more involved with Graham's defensive strategy. So a few different uh, elements right there from the 707. Roten, James, and Illuminor. So that's uh, three guys on the offensive line, three out of five. The only two guys you're leaving on there is uh, Colton Miller and also Dylan Parham. So you're going to have to find three new offensive linemen if you're going to replace that many guys. I can see Illuminor moving into the guard spot. I can see Munford moving into the right tackle spot. Don't know who they have at the center position that will, you know, be able to take that void or fill that void. Not too sure about that. And Zamir White, I'd like to see him get a little bit more involved as well. But at the same time, I want to see Josh Jacobs get involved, <laughs> right? So, uh, you know, it's, just, it's one, of those, uh, one of those situations. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see when we see, I guess. But they definitely have to get things going. And we'll get from uh, Lincoln Kennedy in about 10 to 15 minutes. He's got something he's wrapping up right now, which is fine. No worries. We'll get him uh, up so- shortly when he is uh, available. So uh, we'll take those uh, calls and texts in the meantime and between time as we're waiting for one Lincoln Kennedy. Uh, also, I had another text that I wanted to get to real quick. Where is it? All right, I guess that's it. <laughs> so there you go. Again, you can hit us up talking about what it's going to take to get this uh, this team turned around. And, and if they are going to get things turned around, what exactly are they going to have to do? I go back to you know establishing some kind of run game, get Josh Jacobs just going really in a major way. Really get him rolling. I think that uh, you know he started to turn the corner quite a bit on Sunday against the Chargers, especially in the second half of the game. If you can keep him going, I think that that's a, a really good thing, right? That would be a really good positive if they can make that happen. Uh, also, uh, the defense has to build off of what they did, right? They'll have to uh, be able to build off of the success they had against the Chargers. They didn't allow any points and only really 30-something yards outside of that big 51-yard completion to salt the game away from Herbert to Palmer, which, uh, as Amber Theo Harris pointed out in the first hour, that should have been a push-off. Just like it was a push-off on Jacoby Myers, definitely should have been a push-off on uh, on Jordan Palmer. And, look, I'm not a guy. 
I think that's his name, Jordan Palmer. Sounds That sounds incorrect, but uh, I know Jordan Palmer was Josh Palmer. There you go. I was about to say Jordan Palmer was, uh, what's his name, Bro- his brother, Carson Palmer's brother. <laughs> so I, I knew that that was, felt like it was off. But, yeah, Josh Palmer, he, uh, you know, he, he definitely pushed off. I just want consistency. That's all. And so that was, that was a, a rough deal as far as I'm concerned. But, uh, you know, they, they did a good job to keep the Raiders in it and give them an opportunity. You know, they've got to take advantage of the opportunities they have as far as creating turnovers. They've got to get to the quarterback. Uh, Max has four sacks on the season. Got to get some, uh, you know, got to get some more pressure. Got to get some more pressure. Got to get some more pressure on these important, quarter- in, 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 you know, opposing quarterbacks, including uh, Jordan Love, who's coming up this Monday night at Allegiant Stadium. Let's go out to the phone lines real quick and talk to our guy, Raider Dave in Denver. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind? Hey, man, I think the key is getting Renfro involved more. I mean, the guy's a jitterbug, and nobody can cover him. And it's just a weapon that they're not using. I don't understand a lot of the last couple of years, this season and last, about what I'm seeing uh, from the design of the offense versus what we all knew that would work in Patriots you know, camp. But I do think you said something the other day, I don't remember if it was you know, on your podcast or, or on the station, that just really resonated. And the fact is, Belichick was a defensive understood guru coach. He could tell the offense, uh, McDaniels, what to go ahead and attack. Mm-hmm. And then the, the other part of that triangle is a, 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 you know, a quarterback that is, you know. So when you have that kind of stability, I think you can find that in any team that actually has uh, remained a winner for quite some time. Um, but there's nobody in Las Vegas to go ahead and be that defensive guy that could break down the defense and tell McDaniels where he needs to attack. Yeah. So I think it's just kind of fluttering everywhere and getting really a whole lot of nothing done. But, you know, the, uh, the Joker is going to be Renfro, and I don't think this offense goes anywhere without him. I like it. Good stuff. Good stuff. That'll work. Uh, there he is, Raider Dave in Denver. Definitely appreciate that. And, you know, that's a good point. And um, I would love to see McDaniels go ahead and attack whatever weakness, exploit whatever weakness that opposing team has. And that was something that I was excited about when he became the head coach is because I know that he has those tendencies. But, you know, you bring up the good point of what he had in, in New England with Belichick being able to identify that. Then it really makes it easier for him to attack that. I just I always go back to that game against who was it? against Buffalo, right, where they ran the rock, what, 60-something times? <laughs> and they only threw the ball three times, and it was that terrible weather game. I, I want to say it was either a Monday night football game or a Thursday night football game, but I just thought that that was, you know, just great. Just, just okay, this team can't stop this. This is what we're going to do. We're going to keep on doing it, keep on doing it, keep on doing it. Something that I wish they had done on Sunday, right? Josh Jacobs was getting cooking. He was going downhill. Wish they had just kept on attacking that. Give Josh Jacobs the ball down there by the goal line multiple times. Give him, give him a couple chances. If he doesn't punch it in, okay, then drop back to pass. You have plenty of time. Right. So that I would have been okay with that. So I I like that point that you bring up Raider Dave. And I think all of us have been talking about Hunter Renfro getting involved for uh, for a while now. So, yes, I'd love to see him get involved. Uh, Got a text from Allen in Vegas. Hey, Q, among a lot of things, I'd move Patrick Graham back to the sidelines. The Skyview isn't working for him on this defense. I'd also move a Luminor. Maybe him release. Maybe his release will wake up the rest of the defense. That's Allen in Vegas, or he missed the rest of the offense. I mean, excuse me. Uh, that's Allen in Vegas. And, yeah, I don't know if you can afford to release him, though, right? I mean, because you need as much depth as possible at the offensive line. Maybe bench him. Maybe, you know, put him, put him on the sideline and give Thayer Mumford a crack at it. But uh, the last two weeks, I, I think that the Raiders as a team 
haven't set Jermaine Illuminar up for success either. They went up, They let him go up one-on-one against T.J. Watt and one-on-one against Khalil Mack, and that just is not a recipe for success. And I'm not too sure what the, the thinking was behind that because that's not going to do anything but get your quarterback killed, right? T.J. Watt brought it with Pittsburgh, and Khalil Mack obviously brought it with the Chargers. And Jermaine Illuminar, we talk to Lincoln all the time. He says, hey, you know, that, that you, can't open, you can't open up your quarterback to that kind of, that kind of pressure. It's going to be a fail every single time, especially the way that Illuminor, you know, the way he, he, he is blocking and the way that he opens up, it's just a short beeline to the quarterback, and that's going to get, you know, either Jimmy G or Aiden O'Connell killed. And it got Jimmy G sidelined, right, as far as the concussion. And then you saw how many times that uh, Aiden O'Connell got hit on Sunday as well. Mailman Raiders said, Q, I think how it gets fixed, at least on defense, is Tyree, Tillery, and Koontz all living up to their hype. Imagine a world where Max isn't getting doubled because we have three other guys consistently getting pressure and living where Mac was living on us on Sunday. If that happens, it'll also help every phase of the D to get turnovers. That's Mailman Raider, and that's, that's the key. And that's how the team was supposed to be built, right? That's how Dave Ziegler and company imagined the team being built was through the trenches and getting that pressure up front and being able to help the corners out create uh, you know turnovers, help the linebackers create turnovers, help the safeties create turnovers, all because there was pressure being generated from the defensive line. And right now, it's Max and everybody else, right? Tillery has one sack on the, on the season, and, and Tyree Wilson started to have a little bit, looked like he started to come into his own a little bit uh, from a two-point stance against the Chargers. Maybe that's the way to, to keep him attacking the quarterback is have that two-point stance, and he can, you can get there a little bit quicker and show a little bit more of his power. But you're right. They've got to be able to generate that pressure. They've got to get to the quarterback. They've got to be a force. I think they have seven total sacks on the season. They've got to continue to get those. They've got to get there, get home, hit the quarterback, affect the quarterback, and then they'll have better chance and better opportunities on the back end to come up with turnovers and create those turnovers. So thank you so much for that text. I do appreciate you. 3.40 is the time. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back, and we may have Lincoln Kennedy. If not, we'll push him to 4 o'clock. Either way, we will get Lincoln on before the show's over. I promise you that. Uh, but if we don't get him now, we'll get some calls and more texts as we close out the hour. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. Herbert is under center. He's got a running back literally right behind him. Snap. Pushes forward. Raiders pushing backwards. And I don't think he got it. The push doesn't work. And the Raiders hold on fourth down. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. So you mean the tush push does not work every time? That did not work in the fourth quarter. Not yeah, the fourth quarter of the Chargers Raiders game. Uh, Brandon Staley goes for fourth and one as he always does from his own side of the field as he always does, and well, he didn't pick it up like he normally does. Doesn't pick it up right, and so the Raiders had an opportunity. They didn't take advantage, but it uh, shows that the play could be stopped. If you uh, if you actually have a plan of attack to stop it, and you don't have the Eagles' offensive line and Jalen Hurts trying to uh, you know execute it, so there's that. Lincoln Kennedy will join us at the top of the hour. Uh, we'll talk all things silver and black, all things he saw from the game on Sunday as the Raiders lost to the Chargers 24-17 at SoFi Stadium. Let's go out to the phone lines though. Talk to our guy to Eddie in L.A. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, Eddie? It's a cool start. What's up, Eddie? Hey, hey, how we doing? Good, good, good. All right, so you 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 ask is what can they do right now? Right, can McDaniels do right immediately? My, it, it, in a perfect world, he gives up play calling and goes to try to be a coach, which I doubt he can do. But let's be realistic. Adjust the adjust the offense to better fit the players that he has. Start utilizing the speed on this offense. 
I mean, in, in we we talked about the goal line stand, or not the goal line stand, but the, the, you had your last play there with Aiden instead of running it with uh, um, Jacobs, you ended up passing gets intercepted. How about using Trey Tuck in a jet sweep there? How about yeah. using him more in during the games and making those type of in-game adjustments from the second half to the, the uh, to the uh, from the first half to the second half? I think those those are the major improvements that he can make right now that could help out not only the offense but also the defense by not keeping him on the field for so many third and outs. But just the inability of him using the players that they drafted, the tight end. Why do you draft the tight end just to not even throw at him? So he's got to start with using those players. And I agree, Illuminor, we're 100% on the same page in that. Got to get that guy out. He's got to be your swing tackle. I don't know how you fix it with what they have. But last year, I remember the beginning of the season, they were, they were tinkering with the line until mm-hmm. they got a better fit. And then they, you know, they hit the ground running. I haven't really seen that this year. And I'm questioning why, especially how, how, how the line play has been. So if Josh can get in there, get, humble himself a little bit, Adjust, adjust the play calling, adjust the offense, and go and stick with what works. We have a shot. We have winnable games that are coming up. Yeah. But I get to see this team turn into the team that can beat the team that's in front of them that should be. Like I said, said this before, say it until they start winning. It ain't easy being a Raider fan. Raider Nation, stay up. Hey, thank you so much for the call. Definitely appreciate you. And I would love to see the speed on the team utilized more. That's for sure. Trey Tucker, we saw one glimpse of it, right? We saw one jet sweep that went for 30-something yards against Buffalo. That was fantastic. I uh, haven't seen it since. I would love to see him get his hands on the ball some way, somehow. If it's a, a quick wide receiver screen, if it's a, you know, a quick slant, whatever, I mean, whatever. Just get the ball into the playmaker's hands. And it's not just exclusive to Trey Tucker. DeAndre Carter is fast, too. You saw him on that kickoff return. He's got burners. Use it. I would love to see the Raiders use their speed that they have on the team. That's an element that I feel like they've had missing for quite a while. They need to find a way to get that back. So that's that's definitely a good point that you bring up, Eddie. And, yeah, as far as the you know giving up the play calling, I don't see that happening anytime soon. Certain guys are just who they are, right? It's just like guys are, are, are play callers because they're play callers, right? That's just who they are, and they want to make sure that they always do that. Sometimes it's okay, it works out, and sometimes it, it's detrimental to the team. And uh, I don't know what it is right now. I just know that if you look at the overall body of work that Josh McDaniels has done as the head coach, it's not where it needs to be. Again, I always ask to be respectful to coaches and players, and I think that saying what he's done has not been up to par is definitely respectful because it's not. And I think he'd tell you that as well. Right, he's got to have more success. It's about wins and losses. You've got to find a way to win more games than you lose. And as of so far, Joshua Dales has not been able to do that. So I don't know what ultimately is going to happen. I don't know if he eventually will give up play calling and just say, you know what, let me just be the CEO. Sometimes that works out. Sometimes it doesn't. Uh, that's something that he's got to decide. And if that would be, you know, maybe Mick Lombardi calling plays, maybe. You know, he calls them in the preseason, so maybe there's something there. I don't know. But, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a question that – you know, we can ask as far as how to get this offense jump-started. What really bothers me is just the lack of uh, creativity when it comes to the play calling, the lack of scoring, the fact they've only scored 62 points in four games. That's 15 points a game. I mentioned it, 15 and a half points a game. That's not going to win you very many games in the National Football League. Got a text, and I got multiple tweets about, did you see the video of Mark Davis yelling at Raider fans? Yes. 
Yes, I saw it. I saw the one yesterday as well. Uh, the Raider fan cussing and screaming at Mark Davis at SoFi Stadium and cussing and talking about Josh McDaniels and fire this, fire that, and flipping off Coach or uh, flipping off uh, Mark Davis this and that. And yes, I saw Mark Davis talking back saying, "Be smarter than that. Be smarten up," or whatever he did, and point to his head. Look, I'm not going to go on a big rant about the whole situation. All I'm going to say and all I can do is answer from my point of view, and this is how I was raised: is I wouldn't have been that guy, right? I understand that Raider Nation is frustrated. I understand that Raider Nation wants wins. I understand Raider Nation deserves wins. With all the all the money that you spend to go to games, all the money that you spend on tickets, on hotels, on food, on whatever the case may be, taking the family out, I understand all that. I am 100% behind you. There's nothing more than I want to see this Raiders team win. But the way I was raised, and maybe I was raised wrong, I think Mama Q would say that I was not. She, I think that she did a pretty good job with me. I wouldn't be that guy that's cussing out the owner. I wouldn't be that guy that's cussing out anyone that's in any kind of position that's even, even adult. I don't even like cussing in front of adults, <laughs> to be honest, just because of the way I was raised. I try to be very respectful. In this job that I have, there's a lot of times I'd love to cuss a lot of people out on Twitter, on the radio, everything, but I'm not that dude. I'm just not built like that. So if I saw the owner, no matter how frustrated I was, I might you know, mumble some things under my breath. And, and maybe you say that that's, oh, well, that's a coward. Okay, well, that's fine. I just have more respect than that. So I don't think that that fan should have been going in on Mark Davis like that. I don't think that Mark Davis should have said anything back to him, but I understand. I understand on both ends why there's the frustrations and it's bubbling over. So uh, that's really all I'm going to say about it. Um, I hated to see it because uh, I feel like it just is making Raider Nation more feisty and more fired up, and that just sucks, right? I just, again, I'm not a fan of it. Yes, I know winning matters, but having some respect and, and, and just having some home training is, is, is what it's all about. And unfortunately, that didn't happen in that situation. So I hope that uh, we as fans can be better than that. I hope that Mark Davis doesn't have to feel like that. And look, I'll tell you this. I covered Jerry Jones and the Cowboys for a long time. If that had been someone yelling like that at Jerry Jones, uh, Jerry Jones' bodyguard would have been out of those stands and probably been in someone's grill quick, fast, in a hurry. Now, I'm not saying that that would have been okay either. That's not, right? Violence is not the, the, not the key. But they would have done something because that dude don't play. I mean, he hardly even lets the media get near, near Jerry before he's ready to, to slap him down on the ground. And I've, see, I've seen it happen. I've witnessed it, right? It's not pretty. So, uh, again, I just think that we all need to be a lot smarter in the way that we talk to people. And I think that we've lost our way when it comes to talking to people. And that's just general conversation between me and you and anyone else, let alone someone else that's an owner of the franchise that I claim to be my favorite franchise. Let's go out real quick to Dino from Toronto. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind? Hey, Q, what up, man? Great show as always. Thanks for taking my call. Appreciate you. Uh, my, 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 my quick take here is that th- there's just no consistency in the play calling, man. I go back to the Buffalo game. Uh, we came out first first drive, man, touchdown. We looked like, you know, like it's, it was going to be something special. And then next thing you know, He's like changing it up. I just, I just think this guy's got like two personalities when he's out there, man. I'm like, he's probably trying to outthink himself or outsmart himself. I mean, no doubt the guy knows what he's doing, but it would be great if he had a script or a game plan and just stuck to it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it just seems like he gets, he gets off the track. You know what I mean? Like, and that rollout, man, that was the worst call ever, man. Why, why, why don't you rush it a couple times, take some more time off the clock? You know what I mean? Anyways, coulda, woulda, shoulda. I get it, but. <laughs> Um, yeah, he just looks like he's, he's all thinking himself. You know what I mean? Like, that, that, that's what it appears like. Yeah. Yes. 
Sometimes yeah. that happens, right? You try to outthink the room. All right, guess we lost him. Good, hey, good stuff. I got the gist of your call. But, yeah, sometimes you try to overthink it. Sometimes it could be simple. And, and sometimes we try to, well, you know, if I do this, then they're going to do that. Right. It's like, it's like when I when I have an argument. Right. When I, I try to like if, if, if me and the wife have have some beef going on, I, I all of a sudden I'll say, OK, this is going to be my statement. She's going to say this back and then I'm going to say this back. Then she's going to respond with this. Like I try to work it out in my head before I approach, you know, the subject. <laughs> so sometimes that's in problem solving. That's what you do. Right. All right. If I do this, if I zig, they're going to zag. So let me go ahead and zag and it'll catch them off while they're trying to zig. And sometimes you outthink yourself. So, you know, sometimes it could be really as simple as, hey, just hand, up, hand the ball to Josh Jacobs because he's getting the job done, as opposed to, well, we're going to roll out Aiden. Nobody's going to see it coming because everyone thinks that Josh Jacobs is going to get the ball, and we're going to throw it out to Jacoby Myers instead of Devontae Adams because everyone's going to think 17 is going to get it, and then, yeah. It, and it's going to be a rub route that's going to work, and it's not. And Asante Samuel is going to come up with a play. So sometimes it just happens, and you got to tip the cap to the defense for making a play as well. Eddie, thank you for the call. Dino in Toronto, thank you for the call as well. Coming up next, Lincoln Kennedy joins the show, kicking off hour number three of the show. It's Randish Radio 920. And thank you so much for listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness here on LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs.